Hello and welcome to episode 27 of the Batflip Crazy Podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic, data-driven fantasy baseball analysis. I'm your host, Toby. This is our first podcast since uh, the Red Sox won the World Series. Congratulations to Red Sox fans and Red Sox Nation for clearly having the best team this year. Heading into the playoffs, I definitely underestimated them like so many others, but they showed why you win 108 games during the regular season. Anytime the Red Sox win, it's always uh, it's always kind of nice for me. I was a huge Red Sox fan um, for a number of years. My dad is from West Springfield, Massachusetts, so I grew up following the Red Sox and knowing about Ted Williams, uh, following players like Jody Reed, Dwight Evans, you know, kind of the... The Red Sox, when they weren't necessarily at their heyday, but still had some names that you recognize, going into Mo Vaughn. Growing up, uh, I was also more of a fan of players than I was of teams, though. Uh, Robin Ventura was my favorite player, and so I followed the White Sox really closely. I remember coming home from school and turning on WGN, uh, the uh, Chicago channel, uh, watching some Cub game, Cubs games, listening to Harry Carey. Uh, watching some old reruns of Home Run Derby uh, from way back in the day. I think those were on ESPN. And then watching the White Sox, really liked Robin Ventura, followed that White Sox team closely, tracked him over to the Mets. Um, And then uh, when I went off to college, I went to school in Boston. Red Sox had always been kind of my second favorite team, but really started following them super closely, went to Fenway all the time height of the Red Sox-Yankees rivalry, I'd always try to get to at least one game whenever they were in town, and I have a ton of good memories there. Obviously, you know, there's some peak uh, good times and bad times. I remember the Aaron Boone uh, home run, which was just absolutely devastating. I remember the Derek Lowe strikeout of uh, Terrence Long um, in 2003 when they came back and beat the A's. That was pretty good, and of course, I'll always remember 2014 when they first won. I followed the team really closely, loved that team. Even had my uh, Pokey Reese uh, jersey shirt uh, during that team. But that was just uh, probably the peak of my, my fandom for, for a team um, in baseball. Since then, I've you know become a fantasy baseball fan. And again, I'm, I'm tracking players more than I am necessarily teams and have adopted my home team of the Mariners as kind of my favorite favorite team, but I don't have really strong feelings. My you know, my dad is still a huge Red Sox fan. He's watched every game for countless years. I remember in 2004 when they first won, when Edgar Renteria grounded out to uh, Keith Folk, and he tossed it over to Doug Mankiewicz at first, and they won. The first thing I did was uh, call my dad to celebrate. So some great memories there. Kind of fell out in love uh, with the Red Sox after they won in 2007. I just felt like they were getting a little bit too evil empire as well. They have had some, you know, tremendous homegrown players in addition to that, but uh, just kind of lost, lost, lost interest. But it's nice to see them with guys like, you know, Xander Bogarts, uh, Mookie Betts, uh, other homegrown guys, you know, JBJ, 
who have uh, made it work. And so it was really nice when we, uh, I woke up my son from bed to watch the, uh, my older son from bed to watch the the final outs of the world series. And it was fun to kind of share that with him. I think maybe that'll be his first baseball memory down the road. And then called my dad again, did a little FaceTime and um, he was obviously uh, overjoyed. So congratulations to the Red Sox. Um, So many good memories of mine with baseball are associated with the Red Sox. So add another one to that. Also to the Dodgers fans, you know, congratulations. Um, for making it this far again, I know it's obviously devastating to lose two in a row. Hopefully, uh, you don't become the Buffalo Bills of uh, Major League Baseball. So, in today's podcast, now that we've gone down memory road, um, this is going to be the first in a series of podcasts with short profiles on each player um, as part of, and this is kind of part of my off-season process. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about that process in a second. In the podcast, I'll take a quick but deep look into the skills of each player to determine their likely production next year using data from the past year, um, actually the past three years. I'll take a look at their uh, overall production, the rate stats per plate appearance, which I think is key in kind of identifying some guys who may be flying under the radar as opposed to just overall stats. And then the underlying skills behind those stats to see if they support what has happened in the past and what might happen in the future. It should definitely, uh, or hopefully, be fun. Uh, I guess you guys will be the judge about whether it is or not. I'm going to start with hitters and follow the too early mock draft ADP, starting with the first player who, surprise, surprise, is Mike Trout. He's good. Uh, After I get through the hitters, then I will go and cover the pitchers. As always, you can find the podcast on iTunes and other podcast platforms. If you like what you're hearing, Uh, Please do give us a five-star rating and write a nice review. Tell your friends, share the podcast, retweet it, whatever you can do to help this spread the word. Uh, Put a lot of time and energy into providing this analysis, and so if you like it, I would love it if you would uh, give that rating and review. It makes my week. Uh, Thanks to folks who have have already done that too. You can follow me on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy, on Instagram, BatFlipCrazy, on Facebook at BatFlipCrazyFantasy, The blog is batflipcrazy.com. I'm also going to be trying to put these profiles up on YouTube with a video um, of my spreadsheet so I can kind of go over it there for folks who prefer to see things visually. Uh, And it'll cover the same ground as I do in the podcast, but just a different different medium for that if you're interested in looking at what my uh, disgusting-looking spreadsheet looks like. All right, I'll start with an overview of my process in the podcast, just so you have that for kind of background, and then I'll jump into the first five players. Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, Jose Ramirez, Francisco Lindor, and Nolan Arenado. Let's get this party started, folks. All right, the process. There is nothing I enjoy more than process. The process I'm using this offseason for player analysis is similar to what I did last year in the offseason. I think it's a little bit improved, though, from last year. I just really didn't get started early enough or give myself enough time to do a really thorough dive on on enough players. And so hopefully that will change with my process this year. So first, I took the data of every hitter with at least 100 plate appearances in the last three years in Major League Baseball. I took that from Fangraphs. 
I combed through the list and removed folks who have retired or who are otherwise um, unworthy of consideration. And so, you know, some guys would have one year, some guys have two years, some guys have three years of data. I broke it down by year, not uh, aggregate. You know, in determining who was unworthy of consideration, there could always be the next Max Muncie out there, um, but I'll probably only be able to hit the top 200 to 300 hitters because of the intensiveness of the process and my own kind of limited time. Um, so I'll skip, uh, I'll skip a lot of those, you know, kind of questionable folks. I will add in rookies or folks who didn't hit the 100 plate appearance threshold who are on um, the too early mock ADP. Obviously, it's tough to put together um, ideas of how guys are going to perform based on very small sample sizes. I'm by no means a prospect whiz, um, but I think in a lot of instances, the best thing you can do is go by some of the projection systems there, um, or at least use those in kind of determining where you think a guy is going to be. So after I get my my full list, um, uh, I created the spreadsheet, and it focuses on six uh, stats. Uh, batting average, on-base percentage, runs per plate appearance, home runs per plate appearance, RBIs per plate appearance, and stolen base. This is per plate appearance. I actually have other metrics that I look at for stolen bases, like stolen base success rate, stolen base opportunities, and then uh, stolen base opportunity percentage, or the percentage of opportunities that a player has with the base in front of them open at first and second. Um, and the number of stolen bases plus caught stealing. So there's other things that factor into that, but those are kind of the six that I'm really uh, taking a close look at. I then figured out uh, the Z-score or the number of standard deviations above or below the mean a player is in each of those six categories. Uh, I got the average um, or the mean uh, by looking at 15 team leagues in the NFC, uh, NFBC main event. And then I got the standard deviation from all of the players um, in my sample after I combed through uh, the guys who I didn't think were relevant. And these are the two numbers that you need to calculate that Z-score to determine, you know, uh, really with the Z-score, what I'm trying to say is compared to other players in the league, um, how does this player perform in this category? The math is by no means uh, perfect. I will be the first to admit that. I am no sort of... Um, you know, data expert or statistical expert. And so I'm trying to do things in a way that gives me an overall picture um, and is kind of the best that I can come up with. Um, you know, for example, um, when I generated the mean of the data, NFBC doesn't track plate appearances. So I just added walks to at-bats to give kind of a, a proxy for plate appearances. It's not perfect again, it's close enough, but it doesn't count things like sacrifices and hit by pitched um, in, the, in the plate appearances. So that's one thing to consider. Uh, the goal of the exercise, as I mentioned, isn't to be perfect, but to give me a sense of how each player performed in each category compared to their peers. I'm not worried about the difference between a 1.2 and 1.3, you know, Z-score or 1.2 or 1.3 standard deviations above the mean. I'm more interested in the fact that the player did well uh, above average in that category. I then took the skills and metrics that support the rate stats and included them. So with OBP, things like walk percentage or O-swing percentage. For home runs, things like hard hit rate, ground ball percentage is a proxy for how much they hit the ball in the air, barrels per plate appearance, hard hit fly ball percentage, hard hit pulled fly ball percentage, so on and so forth. 
These help tell me if their underlying skills, the skills beneath the stats, support what they're doing. For instance, if Francisco Lindor's run percentage or runs per plate appearance jumps nearly four points from his previous two years, but his OBP stays the same, I'm not necessarily sure that's sustainable. It may have happened because Jose Ramirez had a career year or had a really great batting average with runners in scoring position or Edwin Encarnacion uh, did the same thing. Uh, I'm not quite sure, but it's unlikely for me to believe a four-point increase in run uh, runs per plate appearances if the OBP is the same. Again, it doesn't mean that that didn't happen or that it won't happen again, just that I won't necessarily plan on it. By doing this in each one of the categories, my hope is to identify what I think a player's real value is category by category. It's helpful in both understanding each player's value and how you put them all together to create a good team. And that's one of the things that you'll find me focusing on in these podcasts and hopefully in the analysis that I provide in the offseason and heading into the draft is really about team construction and how you put together a good team, how you take those individual players and their profiles and add them together to make a strong team. Now, in saying that, that's this the analysis that I'm primar- that I'm providing is primarily geared towards roto leagues. Um, it could be roto, it could be category head to head as well. I do think that the information you learn will hopefully be helpful regardless of the format that you play. So, anyways, I I rarely say this, but that's enough for process. Let's uh, hop into some player analysis. First up is Mike Trout, who had a 1.1 ADP in the two early mock drafts. Uh, Trout, uh, to no surprise, is incredible. Uh, He had a 312 batting average last year, a 460 OBP, which is just tremendous. 101 runs scored, uh, 16.6% runs per plate appearance. The average uh, runs per plate appearance was 13.1% across uh, the entire league or across at least fantasy-relevant players. Um, He hit uh, 39 home runs uh, with a 6.4% home run per plate appearance. League average was 3.6%, so almost uh, almost double. Um, He had a Z-score of of 2, so two standard deviations above the mean there with his home run percentage. Uh, RBIs, he had 79 on a 13% uh, uh, RBI per plate appearance, 12.5% is league average, so he's slightly above that. And then he had 24 stolen bases on a 3.9% stolen base per plate appearance. Um, He, uh, the league average there is 1.5% for stolen bases per plate appearance. So again, um, well above that. Um, so, uh, Trout is the game's best player and my analysis is, is we'll cover in detail why exactly that is, but I think he has to be, or at least for me, he's the first draft pick next year. The skills are just so consistent. Um, the skills that are underlying the stats and then the stats are just across the board and there's actually room for improvement this year, which I'll cover in a second. So his average has fluctuated between 306 and 315 the last three years. So he's consistently above 300 for batting average, one of the hardest categories to get in the game. Uh, The average is supported by a below league average strikeout rate, a BABIP that is routinely in the low 
um, to mid, even high uh, 300s. Um, if you look back at 2006, he also has very stable and strong um, contact skills. He had a 90.5% Z contact, which is about four and a half, uh, or actually 5% above league average. And then, um, uh, so his contact rate is right up there. So everything points to him being able to continue that uh, above 300 uh, batting average. Um, X stats through expected average also indicates that um, he should be above 300. His four, his uh, 460 OBP is really incredible. It's one of the best skills in all of baseball, really. He had a Z-score on that of 3.71, so nearly four standard deviations above the mean. And that's supported by a very low uh, chase rate on pitches outside the zone, or O-swing, of 19.4%. League average is about 31%, and this is the second consecutive year he's been in the 19% for O-swing. Does not swing at a lot of pitches. He has a 20.1% uh, walk rate, which is just tremendous if you're in an OBP league. If you're in an average league, it's a little bit of a bummer. Um, but the reason why his walk percentage, that's a high for the last three years, he was intentionally walked 25 times this year, which is 10 times more um, than uh, last year. So that's that's one of the reasons why, even with the stable skills, that OBP has jumped up. Um, for his runs, he scored 101, but his 16.6% runs per plate appearance, that's actually 1.5% uh, lower um, than in previous years. And that's despite having um, his best uh, OBP in a number of years. And so you would expect that run uh, runs per plate appearance to actually increase. He scored 101 run la- runs last year and 608 plate appearances. If you bump that up to the 18.1% from the last two years, he's up at 110 runs. And this is for a guy that went on the disabled list. So uh, my goodness, if he can get himself a full season uh, next year, look out. Um, For his home runs, he had 39 home runs last year, 6.4% home runs per plate appearance, uh, which is really strong. As I mentioned, that's nearly two standard deviations um, above uh, the mean. Uh, he had 36.2 expected home runs, so he slightly outperformed those, but not, not by anything too crazy, and he's always been pretty much in line with his expected home runs um, in other seasons. Looking across the skills, his hard hit rate uh, was the highest of the last three years at 44.4%. His ground ball percentage was the lowest um, over that period of time at 31.3%, which is great. His home run for fly ball rate was 24.5%, which is high, but um, it's supported in the past two years. Last year it was 23.2%, so it was only slightly above last year's. If you look at his hard hit fly ball rate, it is uh, higher than last year, 43.4% compared to 40.1%. He did have a 51% hard hit fly ball rate two years ago. Um, His hard hit pulled fly fly ball rate is also Um, at its highest, uh, 36.2% compared to 31.6% last year and 24.4% the year before. That's that's great. Uh, Hitting the ball hard in the air um, to the pole field is the easiest way to hit a home run. That's why that stat in particular is included. He had 58 barrels for a 9.5% barrels per plate appearance rate. That's the highest of the last three years as well. His average home run distance is holding 
um, pretty consistent, a little bit lower than pre two previous years, but still at 407 feet, um, uh, very strong. RBIs, he only had 79, um, uh, or only uh, for a, a guy batting number two, but he had a 13% um, run uh, RBI per plate appearance. That is lower uh, by 1.2% and 1.5% compared to previous years. And so that may just be a function of um, he actually had a high batting average with runners in scoring positions. So it's probably a function of just fewer opportunities uh, to drive in folks on the bases since the, the Angels had a little bit of a disappointing lineup with um, you know some failures like Zach Cozart and, and others last year. Um, incredibly strong WOBA. Uh, as well, his uh, stolen bases, he had 24 last year for a 3.9% stolen base per plate appearance rate, as I mentioned before. Again, well above league average, about one and a half, a Zeke score of 1.57 there. He had the highest success rate on stolen bases at 92.3% over the last uh, of his last three years. Although the one area to kind of, um, that I'm kind of thinking a little bit about is, is he had 282 stolen base opportunities. And so those are instances where he was on first base and there was nobody on second or on second base and there was nobody on third. He attempted a stolen base on 9.2% of those opportunities compared to 12.7% the last couple years. So that's a pretty significant dip there um, of 3.5% in stolen base opportunities. I'm not sure whether it's going to be something that uh, stays consistent, but with that success rate, I'm not too worried I think you can um, count on Trout for kind of 20 to uh, 30 stolen bases. That's a, it's a large range, but um, I think he could fit anywhere um, in there, probably uh, closer to the lower uh, 20s in terms of stolen bases. But when you look at the full package, Trout is a six-category contributor in all of those. He is above league average. There's only one that he's even close to league average. In everything else, he is at least one and a half standard deviations above the mean, which is really incredible. And then there's a couple like the OBP that I mentioned where he's just out of out of this world. So Mike Trout uh, will be my number one um, rated player heading into next year. Uh, for obvious reasons, he has been great for a long time. And all of the skills and stats support that, as you would expect. Next up, we have Mookie Betts, who had an average ADP in the two early mocks. There's, I think, uh, gosh, I want to say there was 10 of the early mock drafts. He had an early ADP of 2.8. Um, so going as, on average, the second player off the board, closely followed by Jose Ramirez at 2.9. Uh, Mookie had an incredible year. He had a 346 um, batting average. I think there was some luck involved in that. His expected average was 326. So I don't think we can anticipate that that is going to repeat itself. Um, but still, that was terrific. It was built on a 368 BABIP. Now that's well above what he, where he's been at the last two years. Last year, he was injured um, and really struggled um, at the plate compared to normal. Um, hitting 264, he had a 268 BABIP. Um, when we look at the underlying uh, numbers, his K rate did give a little bit of a jump up to 14.8% this year from 11% in the past, but that doesn't reflect any major changes in his profile. His contact rate is still elite. 
His Z contact is at 92.6% compared to 93.1% last year. It was all the way up at 96% two years ago, so there is a little bit of a dip there. But again, well below league average and plenty there to support um, a batting average uh, in, the, in the low um, 300s, I think, more, more likely than him repeating the 346. His OBP was up at 438, uh, which is a career high. Um, that compares to 344 and 363 uh, the two previous years. Again, some of that OBP bounce there is related to the increase in batting average, but he also improved in his plate discipline. His O-swing of 18.9% was the best uh, he's had over the last three years, an improvement of 3% over last year, and he continues to swing at a very low rate. So he's really looking for his pitch to hit and drive, and that improved um, O-swing or chase rate resulted in a, gave him a little bit of a bump in his walk percentage. So he had a 13.2% walk percentage compared to 10.8% last year and 6.7% the year before that. So a young player continuing to improve, that is always a great sign. Now that 438 OBP translated into an incredible uh, runs per plate appearance. Um, he had 129 runs last year with a 21% uh, uh, runs per plate appearance. Now that is an increase of about 7% over last year and 4% uh, over his previous high of 16.7%. Now part of that I think is batting in front of um, J.D. Martinez. That is always going to help out. Um, his Z-score on uh, his run percentage is at 3.67 compared to a Z-score 3.08 for his OBP. Um, so I do think the run percentage is going to be, it's a little high. I think it's the perfect combination of getting on base a ton and having J.D. Um, Martinez there um, to drive him in. So I do expect that that's going to go down a little bit and the runs would probably go down with that again. But Mookie has now three consecutive years of more than 100 runs, so I don't think it'll actually be um, too surprising if he's able to come close to that number um, once again. He did only have 614 plate appearances this year uh, compared to more than 700 the two previous years. So again, there is some room for growth there, there in his plate appearances, especially if he continues to bat leadoff. I would love to see him batting in the two or three hole, but you know, we'll see what ends up happening there. His 32 home runs actually came on 38.4 expected home runs. So a 6.4 home run uh, underperformance compared to uh, his expected rate. His 5.2% home runs per plate appearance is well above the average and well above what he's done previously. Um, When we take a look at the Numbers uh, underlying that, he had a career-high hard hit rate of 44.5%. That's a jump of uh, nearly 9% over last year. His ground ball rate also went down by uh, about 6.5%, so he's getting the ball up in the air a little bit more. And then his home run per fly ball rate was also 16.4%. His expected home run per fly ball rate was actually 19.7%, though. And the reason... This is why I love looking at the underlying skills is for bets. You know, we see this 
pretty dramatic increase in home runs, and we wonder if it's sustainable. Now, I don't know if that number exactly right there is sustainable. The expected home run certainly says it is. But then when we look at things like his hard hit fly ball rate, that increased by nearly 10%. He also had his highest career hard hit pulled fly ball rate, only up by about 2%, but still career high. And then his barrels per his barrels just really shot through the roof. 61 barrels this year for a 9.9% barrels per plate appearance. That was among the lead leaders. And look at this. Last year, his barrels per plate appearance was 3.5%. And the year before that, it was 4.4%. So really a huge jump from Mookie. He had more barrels this year than the two previous years combined. And his um, average home run rate was at its highest at 400 feet. Um, his RBIs, he had 80 RBIs, a 13% um, RBI per plate appearance. Again, 12.5% is league average. That is actually his lowest number and likely reflects the fact that he was both uh, batting in the leadoff spot and that the catcher position uh, was not as good as in previous years. And so he probably didn't bat with a ton of guys on base. Again, RBI percentage is pretty dependent on where you are in the lineup, as are a lot of these stats, right? Because that impacts plate appearance, but particularly RBIs. For stolen bases, he had his highest stolen base per plate appearance. He stole 30 bases, 4.9% stolen bases per plate appearance. That is terrific. He was slightly less successful than previous years, but still very strong at 83.3% success rate. And then he had 293 stolen base opportunities, and he had a career-high 12.3% stolen base uh, attempts on those 293 stolen base opportunities. That is uh, really, um, really great to see that he's actually running more. And so when you look at Mookie, um, really you're seeing the complete package again. I see no reason... Uh, why he can't repeat most of what he did last year. I think we will see a dip in his batting average and his OBP because I think some of that some of that 346 batting average was uh, was BABIP driven with that 368 BABIP. Um, but you know, again, you're looking at a guy who should hit around 300, uh, have triple digit runs, uh, have you know 30ish home runs. With RBIs, again, it's dependent where he is in the lineup, but he's not going to hurt you there. And if he were ever to get plugged in second or third uh, in that lineup, we could be looking at just a a real, real monster. And then again, his stolen bases, he is attempting the most stolen bases um, that he has, and he is still being very successful at it. So Mookie Betts uh, will be my number two Um, player. And to be honest with you, I can see reasons why you may see a little bit more upside given the stolen bases and the lineup that Mookie Betts is in. And so I wouldn't disparage anybody uh, going Betts over Trout um, this year either. Up third, we have Jose Ramirez. He had an average ADP in the 10 or so, two early mock drafts of 2.9. So right behind Mookie. Um, I do think that um, Mookie is definitely, you know, I think Mike Trout and Mookie Betts are the top two. I think number three starts to become interesting. I do think Ramirez definitely has a claim to that. When we look at his numbers from this past year, he ended up hitting 272 after really struggling um, towards uh, the end of the year. That came on a 280 expected average. So he's definitely not hurting you in average, but we know that the potential is there 
um, for him to um, for him to hit in the 300s. So that should be there um, in the back of our minds. He had a 254 BABIP, which is well below um, his his previous BABIPs of 319 and 333. So we may see some improvement there. Though the expected average kind of says that we're in the range of where he should have been. And that's probably because he did have um, an increase in um, uh, in fly balls and especially poorly hit fly balls last year. He had a spike in um, uh, infield fly balls that I think really um, hurt him a little bit. But he maintains a really low strikeout rate of 11.5%, elite contact rate 91.7%. Z contact, 87.4% regular contact. Um, that's just really, um, really strong numbers overall there. He had a career best OBP of 388. Um, and that was uh, due to a continued improvement in his plate discipline. 21.1% O swing down about 6% from last year. And his swing rate also went down Um by 5% to 38.6%. So he's swinging at the ball less and swinging at pitches outside the zone less. And that uh, boosted his walk rate up to 15.2%, which is a 7% increase over last year. Again, um, given that walk rate um, and the um, the batting average, um, you know, there is the possibility that if he can get some of uh, if you can get his launch angle down a little bit on some of these, um, you know, bad fly balls and infield fly balls that he, um, you know, that we could see a little bump in that OBP. But again, 388 is very solid. Z score 1.6 or 1.66. Um, so, you know, that, that many standard deviations above the mean, which is really strong. Um, his uh, runs, he had 110 runs uh, with a 15.8% runs per plate appearance. Um, this seems a little bit on the low side, um, you know, given that he's batting in the middle of an Indians lineup. Um, and you know, this is actually worse than last year's runs per plate appearance, which was, uh, 16.6%. Um, so I would expect that maybe to get a little bit closer to that 16% uh, mark, but it's still 110 runs is an incredibly solid performance there. When we get into his home runs, he hit 39 home runs this year on 34.9 expected home runs. He has, the last two years, he has uh, outperformed his expected home runs by 4.1 home runs in each year. It's actually kind of funny. 29 home runs last year, 24.9 expected home runs, 39 home runs this year, 34.9 expected home runs this year. So again, the power is real. And he's actually a really interesting guy because um, I'll, I'll get to it. Um, in a, in a sec, actually I'll hop to it right now. He, his hard hit fly ball rate is actually just right around league average at 34.6%, but he hits a ton of fly balls. And then 50% of his hard hit pulled fly balls, um, or 50% of his hard hit fly balls are pulled, which is just a tremendous number. Again, you know, hard hit pulled fly balls. I don't have the number in front of me, but over 60% of those go for home runs. And so he's really a guy who's hitting a lot of home runs because of the volume. And so I do think the amount of home runs he hit, there is a relationship there with his batting average because of that, the, the need for fly balls. 
Um, he had a career low 33.4% ground ball rate last year, um, which is low. That is a 5.5% dip from uh, the year before. And so I think that's why you see that BABIP falling down um, a little bit there. But, you know, again, he's a guy who gets those home runs based on a volume of fly balls that he's hitting. Um, and when he does hit them hard, he tends to pull them, which is really good news. His barrel rate um, is, uh, he had 43 barrels last year, 6.2% barrels per plate appearance, um, which, is, which is above average and uh, much better than last year's 4%. It's 2.2% better than that. Um, league average, I believe, is about 4.8% for barrels per plate appearance. Um, so he's above league average there. His average home run actually dipped to 388 um, this year. And so again, he is a guy who's getting his home runs because he is hitting the ball in the right place. He's pulling the ball um, when he's hitting the ball hard um, and in the air. That doesn't mean that it isn't necessarily sustainable, um, but it does mean, you know, I think it points to that dip in average. There is a relationship um, there, I think. In terms of his RBI, he had a 15.2% um, uh, runs per plate appearance, which is well above league average of 12.5%. It's about one standard deviation above the mean. And that resulted in 106 uh, RBI. And so that is really nice. I believe he batted third for most of the year uh, this year. Um, and so he was getting a lot of RBI opportunities with uh, Francisco Lindor um, in front of him. So that is um, a solid number. For stolen bases, this is where he really took a leap. Um, he stole a, he, uh, got a stolen base on 4.9% of his plate appearances, 34 stolen bases above two standard deviations above the mean there, which is great. And he was also more successful than he's ever been before. So he threw the, stole those 34 bases. He had an 85% success rate compared to 77.3% last year and 75.9% the year before. So... Um, again, that is uh, awesome, awesome to see. He had 234 stolen base opportunities. He attempted a stolen base on 17.1% of those, which is just uh, tremendous. It's nearly double last year's 9.8%. The Indians stole the most bases of any team last year. Um, they have uh, the same manager coming back. So I'd anticipate, particularly with the improved success rate um, that Ramirez has, that they should trust him to continue stealing bases, and I think that stolen base number will be really solid. So I think you're looking at, um, you know, I do think that that the performance that Ramirez had this year um, is repeatable. I do think there's the chance that he could increase or improve that batting average, but I think that's going to come uh, at the expense of home runs if he does. Um, and so, you know, again, you're looking at a... Um, you're looking at a six-category contributor here, and I think the definitely the possibility of, of boosting that average, which is the more valuable category from my perspective um, than uh, the home runs is because it is more scarce. So that's Jose Ramirez. I think he's locked in pretty close to the number three draft pick as, a, as one of those six-category contributors that's so hard to find. Next up, we have Francisco Lindor um, going uh, on average at 4.8 for his two early mock draft ADP. He's actually somebody I drafted in my two early mock draft with the fifth pick. And, you know, not that I regret 
mock draft picks terribly. But um, Lindor, based on my analysis so far, I definitely would not pick him again if I had the number five pick. Um, I would probably go for maybe J.D. Martinez or, um, you know, potentially somebody else. I've only I've only analyzed five or seven players so far um, in depth like I am right now, and so I'm not quite sure. There may be guys that are below that that might hop up um, in front of uh, him, but he's a guy I think where recency bias is going to play a big role. He is another potential six-category contributor, which I think is uh, brings a ton of value, but I do think there was some some uh, good fortune uh, that he had uh, this year. So he hit 277 this year. And so Lindor, since he started having his power storage, which, you know, uh, aligned with an increase in uh, fly balls, um, he has been hitting consistently in the kind of 270 to 280 range, 277 this year, 273 last year. Um, his expected average was higher um, in both, uh, both years, Last year it was 299, so um, there uh, it had him underperforming by uh, 26 points ver- and underperforming 11 points this year, 288. That may just be, um, you know, it may be that he has been unlucky. Um, it may also be that, um, you know, there's something in his batted balls that is just not not picking up. But that's just one thing to consider. I I would not put him as somebody who's going to have a higher batting average because of the high. Um, fly ball rate that he has. So he is a positive in batting average, which is good. 279 BABIP this year compared to 275 last year. His K rate has jumped up a little bit to 14.4% this year compared to 12.9% the two previous years. So 1.5% increase. Uh, that That is reflected a little bit. Um, he still has elite uh, Z contact at 91.4%. He is down um, about 0.7% from uh, the previous year, and his overall contact rate has dipped um, has dipped by about 1.5%. Uh, and so that's, I think, where you see the K rate going up. Again, though, well below league average, uh, which bodes well for him at least being able to maintain that uh, 270 to 280 batting average. His OBP was at 352, uh, which is above league average. Uh, at least league fantasy average was 329. Um, he, he did have a slightly worse than league average, um, chase rate at 31.8%, around 31%, uh, is league average. And then his swing rate is also around league average at 46.9%. His walk rate did jump uh, a little bit, um, by about 1% to 9.4%. We may not see that, uh, necessarily continue, um, you know, if that O swing doesn't, doesn't improve. And that's been pretty steady now for two years. So he's not necessarily a super high OBP guy, but he is very solid there at 3.52 from last year. That is a 0.64 Z score. So about half, a a little over half uh, a standard deviation above the mean where I do see some regression for Lindor. And one thing uh, that's important to note, Lindor has led the league in plate appearances the last three years. So he is an accumulator. He's a guy who, who partially is relying on a lot of plate appearances um, to get the stats that he's getting. And um, Rob Silver has mentioned this uh, a couple times, I think, on Twitter and in the Launch Angle podcast. But that's not necessarily something that you can count on. Lindor has been healthy the last three years. But when, you, when you're doing projections, you don't necessarily want to project 
uh, perfect health. So last year, he definitely had uh, perfect health. He accumulated 745 plate appearances. He got 129 runs, but I mentioned this in the intro. He, he had a 3.6% increase in his runs per plate appearance, despite a marginal increase in his OBP. And actually, he had a worse OBP than uh, two years ago when he had a 14.5% run per plate appearance. So I think that 17.3% is definitely going to come down. Partially, it's a product of having Jose uh, Ramirez behind him, I think, um, which definitely would help anybody in terms of the amount of runs that they're scoring. But it's just something to consider. I don't think you can expect that he's going to do that. And that 129 runs is 30 more than he's had in any other year. He had 99 uh, two years ago and 99 last year. So that's just something to consider is he's definitely a plus on runs, um, but I think he's more um, a slight plus and a slight plus because of accumulator uh, accumulating stats and where he is in that lineup versus a guy who should be two standard deviations above the mean in his runs. So I would expect some regression there. I think that 99 number looks um, pretty decent, um, you know, so around 100 runs. His home runs, he had 38 home runs this year, uh, 31.5 expected home runs, so he outperformed expected home runs by 6.5. Um, his home run percentage was at 5.1%, um, which is very solid. It's, uh, it's a little over one standard deviation above, above the mean. When we look at his hard hit rate, it is the highest that it's been. Um, at uh, six, uh, about six and a half points above last year at 41.6% compared to 35.2% last year. He's also hitting fewer ground balls um, uh, than he has at any point, um, very close to last year's number, but uh, solid a little below 40%. Um, and then when we look at his hard hit fly ball rate, he did have uh, his highest hard hit fly ball rate at 43.6%. But where he did see a big dip, and I think this is where you probably see the expected home runs disagreeing with the home run total, is he only hit 31.3% of his hard hit fly balls were pulled. And he's really been somebody who, um, he's got a 37.5% two years ago, but 40.9% last year. So he's got a 9% dip in his hard hit pulled fly ball rate. And so I think that may be one of the reasons why um, expected home runs is not as high. Obviously, that's all based on exit velocity and launch angle, both uh, vertical and horizontal. So it should be accounting for that, but it's just something to, um, uh, to consider there. But again, I think Lindor is firmly entrenched as a 30-plus home run hitter at this point. He did have his highest barrels uh, per plate appearance at 7.1% last year compared to 5.5% the year before. He had 53 barrels total. And his average home run distance was similar at 400 feet. His RBI, he had 92 RBIs, 12.3%, uh, so slightly below league average. Again, I think this is largely um, because he has a higher home run uh, rate and uh, his batting average is above league average. I think this is mostly because he's not getting as many opportunities as the leadoff hitter. And this aligns with last year's rate, so I think you'd expect the same. Again, remember, a lot of these, he's at league average, but he's still generating 92 RBIs because he has so many plate appearances. And that's one thing, again, that we, don't nece we can't necessarily expect to happen again. Now, Lindor, another reason why his value 
was boosted this year is that he had 25 stolen bases. Um, and that is 10 above last year, and it is six above the year before that. His stolen bases per plate appearance was at 3.4%, which is good. The only concern I have about the sustainability of Lindor's uh, stolen bases uh, from this past year is that he was the least successful that he's ever been at 71.4%. And they say that um, about 75% is kind of the break-even point where it actually starts to hurt um, your expected runs when your stolen bases uh, slips below 75%. So I'm not sure that he's going to continue to have the green light if um, he isn't able to improve on that and get it back to where it's been in the past which is at or a little above 80%. Now, he had 263 stolen base opportunities last year, and he um, attempted a stolen base on 13.3% of those, which is uh, nearly double uh, the previous year and well above anywhere he's been before. Again, this could be sustainable. It's the same team. It's the same coach um, or the same manager. Uh, I just, you know, the stolen base success rate does raise a little bit of a red flag for me there. So in looking overall at Lindor, I think the key things are, again, he is a six-category contributor. I think some folks are expecting a boost in batting average. I'm just not entirely convinced that that is going to be the case because of the fly ball rate and that's helping generate that home, the, the increased home run total for him. Uh, but it's certainly within the realm of possibility. Again, a lot of his accounting stats like runs and RBIs uh, are being generated at such, the rates aren't that great. Um, it's just the number of plate appearances that he's getting. And we can't expect, again, for him to be 100% healthy as he has been the last three years. So that's just something to consider. Again, very valuable, but I think I'm probably looking at Lindor maybe towards uh, the back end of the first round, um, along with guys like Alex Bregman, uh, maybe. Um, I think that's actually a pretty good uh, comp for Lindor. Um, so right around that area, I think they're fairly similar players. So that's kind of where I'm looking at maybe a little bit behind Christian Yelich. Again, still a very good player, not somebody who's going to lose you a fantasy league by any stretch of the imagination. But he is the first guy that I think I, I disagree with, you know, his current ADP and I might drop him back a little bit to that end of first round, uh, top of the second round um, uh, for Lindor. Our fifth and final batter that I'm going to cover today is Nolan Arenado, third baseman for the Colorado Rockies. His average uh, draft position in the two early mock drafts was 5.3, so pretty consistently there at number five. He's obviously been a staple at the top of overall ADP lists for a number of years now because of his consistency. I think overall he is a solid bet to continue this. I do think he was injured uh, this year, and I think that, that there's some underlying metrics that are a little bit uh, worse than previous years as a result of that, but I still think that he's a consistent um, four category slash five category, four categories in five by five roto. Uh, if you use OBP, um, he's strong and uh, pretty strong in OBP as well. So he's helping you in everything except for stolen bases. So when we look at his batting average from this past year, he hit 297 with a 287 expected average. He's been at 309 and 294 the two previous years, and the expected average uh, is pretty much in line with that. So I think you know you're looking at a guy who's going to hit 
above 285 most likely with the possibility of hitting in the low 300s. Love to see that. His K percentage um, did jump up uh, about 2.5% to 18.1% uh, this year, and that was reflected in a dip in Z contact from 88% last year to 83.9%. That is in zone contact. League average is 85.5%. So he's actually below league average in Z contact. That's a little bit of a concern because you'd expect the K rate to be a little bit higher. Uh, based on the below league average um, contact rate. So that is something to just kind of flag and think about. Um, and, you know, again, it may have been a result of injuries. I know he was battling them definitely towards the end of the year. But, you know, that could definitely be a factor because that's a pretty significant dip in, in contact if it's not related to an injury. His OBP is 374 last year, 373 the year before, 362 the year before that. So he's pretty consistent right there, right uh, slightly at or above one standard deviation above the mean, which is really solid. His plate discipline is not that great, 31.5% um, uh, O-swing, so right around league average. That's in line with where he's been the last couple years, pretty much, um, best Best mark was the year was last year. His swing rate is at 49.9%, 10.8% walk rate um, compared to 9.1% last year. Um, it may be that that's just a, um, uh, a factor of uh, intentional walks. He, 10 intentional walks compared to 9 the previous year. Um, but that is just... Um, you know, I would expect that walk rate maybe to dip a little bit based on the increased swing rate and the um, increase in chase rate as well. If that continues, again, I do think that there's a caveat with Arenado that there's probably an injury somewhere in there that's impacting given some of the big drops that um, we're seeing, you know, in contact rate. And he's, a, he's still a pretty young guy, so we wouldn't necessarily anticipate that happening. For runs, he had 104 on a 15.5%. Um, uh, runs per plate appearance that is uh, very um, solid it's about in line with where he's been in previous years uh, right in the middle between 16.7 two years ago and 14.7 last year I think that is fairly accurate around one standard deviation above the mean so anticipate that that'll continue that's triple digits in runs for three consecutive years for home runs, there is a huge gap in his home runs versus expected home runs. 38 home runs versus 26.5. So that's an 11.5% uh, uh, gap uh, over performance on home runs. And expected home runs have generally aligned uh, with his home run totals. Um, you know, a five expected home run difference two years ago, but uh, he actually underperformed expected home runs by one last year. So... You know, that is something, again, to look at. Again, I do think a lot of this is injury, but he did still hit 38 home runs. I think he's good for at least uh, 30 next year. He did have a career-high hard hit rate at 43% compared to 36.7% last year. Uh, so that is an increase of 6.3%. Again, maybe the dip in uh, Z contact is a result of him trying to hit the ball um, harder. Um you know, who we don't really know, but um, that's something to consider. His ground ball rate was also at its highest level in three years at 39.9%. That's about a 6% increase over last year. 
So again, you're seeing a lot of the underlying numbers are headed in the wrong direction for Arenado. He still produced, and again, I do think that these are related to um, some of the injuries he struggled with uh, throughout the course of the season, but definitely something that you want to keep in mind. His hard hit fly ball rate was at 46.2%, right in line with 45.4% the year before. 34.1% hard hit pulled fly ball rate is right in line there with 35.9% last year. His barrels were down slightly, 35 barrels for a 5.2% uh, barrels per plate appearance rate this year. Um, that's down from 6.3% last year and 6.8% two years ago. But his ho average home run distance is 408 feet, which is solid and right around where he's been the last two years as well. One area where he did see a pretty big dip was in his RBIs. He'd been over 130 the past couple seasons. He was at 110 this year, 16.3% uh, RBI per plate appearance. Um, this, uh, I think, you know, reflects a poor, a worse lineup in front of him. He also didn't have, you know, Charlie Blackman definitely had a very good season, uh, but it wasn't as good necessarily. Um, as uh, the previous year, um, but you know this is again uh, 1.3 standard deviations above the mean, as opposed to the uh, you know 2.27 standard deviations above the mean that he'd been at the last couple of seasons. You know he had, did have a lower batting average. Again, it's probably a reflection of a lower, uh, fewer opportunities uh, to drive folks in. Again, uh, I think the Rockies lineup this year was the worst it's been in quite some time. He did add two stolen bases. You know, he's got two, three, two in the last three years. So you're not getting him for the stolen bases, but it's always nice when uh, you can count on a couple. Uh, nothing really to talk about in terms of, you know, other than the fact that his stolen base success rate is terrible. 40% two years ago, 60% last year, and 50% this year. There is a reason why he is not stealing any bases. So with Arenado, as you can see, there, a lot of the underlying skills actually got worse this past year. Um, it's a question of really how much you want to put that to injuries. There is also some indicators that point towards some luck in his batting average and in his home run totals. So if you do believe that those are actually a deterioration of his skills, you may want to drop him back a little bit in your ADP. But generally speaking, he's a guy that's going to help you out in everything except for stolen bases. I do believe he's a free agent um, in not next year, but uh, the year after that. And so that is one thing to consider because he does get a lot of value from playing half of his games in cores. And so if the Rockies aren't good next year and they do look at potentially trading him, um, that could be uh, harmful for his uh, fantasy value. So just one of those things to kind of stick in the back of your mind. Overall, though, Arenado remains a staple at the top of the lineup as a guy who is going to contribute in everything except for stolen bases. That is going to wrap it up for episode 27 of the Batpip Crazy podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, here's where I definitely need your help. Give me some feedback on whether you like these player profiles, whether they go too deep, whether they go you know, the right amount, whether you... I probably won't be able to give you a little bit more information, but just let me know what you think about them because I am planning on um, doing these regularly on the podcast and I want to make sure that uh, that folks who are listening are enjoying those. So would love that feedback. Hit me up on Twitter. 
um, at batflipcrazy to give me that feedback. That would be great. If you do enjoy this podcast, um, please do go to iTunes or your preferred podcast platform. Give us a five-star rating. Uh, leave a review. Um, I would also say that I'm trying to do interviews with some fantasy uh, analysts that um, whose work I really enjoy. And I've been putting those up over the last couple months. And I'm trying to make those um, cover topics that are of interest over the off-season and throughout the season so that they stay relevant. So if you do enjoy this podcast or other interviews, definitely go back, check out the other interviews. Uh, hopefully you'll be able to learn something. But most of all, I'm just super appreciative of folks who are listening to the podcast and providing feedback, engaging on Twitter and other platforms. In addition to Twitter, you can reach me on Instagram at BatFlipCrazy, on Facebook at BatFlipCrazyFantasy, also on YouTube, BatFlipCrazy.com uh, is the blog. Um, I'm also going to try to put um, uh, make some videos where I go over kind of the spreadsheets and for folks who want to see what I'm doing um, on YouTube. So hopefully you guys will find those helpful as well. Thanks so much for listening. Really appreciate it. Hope you guys are having a good baseball offseason, missing fantasy baseball like I am, and this is kind of itching that or scratching that itch uh, that you have for fantasy baseball analysis. So take care of yourselves. Good luck with your fantasy baseball offseason research and be kind to one another. Thanks so much for listening.